Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Cool Zone Media. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, your weekly reminder that sometimes I take a week off and do a rerun episode, like this time, where it's a rerun instead of a new episode. But it's from a while ago, and maybe you haven't heard it. It's about Food Not Bombs, which is a group that does exactly what it says it does and about how important mutual aid is and how important taking care of each other is. So I hope you like it. Hello and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, your weekly podcast that brings you all the cool history and cool people who did... I'm I'm your host. I'm tired of saying the word cool a thousand <laughs> times in every introduction, but that's the way it's going to be. My name is Margaret Kiljoy. And with me this week is none other than Andrew T, who is the host of the Also Does What It Says It Does podcast, <laughs> Yo, Is This Racist? Yeah. Andrew, how are you doing? Pretty straight up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Good. Uh, yeah, we've, I've been, uh, I'm, I'm on a merciful hiatus from my, my day job. So um, I'm, still, I'm still at the point in the like like week where I'm like, I still wake up at 6 a.m. even though I don't have anywhere to be and, and things like that. So just stare at the wall being like, yeah. I don't understand. I have so much to do, but how do I do it? I'm just like so tired, but yeah, for no good reason. I saw, um, I hung out with a friend's child and I'm going to just back of the envelope and say like a three or four year old. And I was like <laughs> sitting on the couch and fell asleep while she was talking to me. And apparently she like simply did not stop talking the whole time. But yeah, I'm, I'm at that just like, why am I so tired? I'm just falling asleep. Okay. Constantly. Well, I will attempt not to put you to sleep. No, no, today. I'm good. I, I'm, I'm awake. I, I, had, uh, I had coffee. Oh, okay. I'll- and so for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, which is, I don't know if that's any of you, Yo Is This Racist has been around for, was it like 10 years now or something? Yeah, More than that? something like that. Oh, God. And... From my point of view, honestly, it did a lot to shape discussions about race, at least in the subcultures that I'm part of. So oh. thanks for 
doing that. We used to like crowd <laughs> around a not even laptop in our like weird communal punk house and like laugh at the Tumblr. Good lord! Yeah, the, I, I, the, it, it's been such a like, uh, you know, uh, such a uh, evolution. Also, of just like how people talk about stuff. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've grown, and then I had a co-host a couple of years ago with Tawny Newsom. So we've all like, you know, both been part of conversations, but also everyone's talking about this stuff in a in a smarter way, but also not. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It's <laughs> nice to just have a thing to do that that's uh that's you know more or less of my own our own uh and yeah, yeah i don't know and, and the thing that uh, i've always liked about doing yo is this racist is as a person of color in comedy i more often than i would like wind up in situations where it's like all white folks around mm-hmm. and you know sometimes people expect you to be the arbiter of this shit simply by virtue <laughs> of not being white and uh-huh. now i can now i can offload that stuff to podcasts i can just you know i'm not it's not i'm not on the clock right now so yeah yeah totally i'm not going to tell you whether something's racist or not i don't want to talk my... about this shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> i have Fair a time enough. i have a time to do this and it's not right now yeah i hear you have a tour coming up is that true uh just a few tour dates yeah uh, austin on the 20th of august and Brooklyn on the 10th of September. I'm realizing the months go 7, 8, 9, and the dates go 30, 20, 10. So that's weird. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad. You're, now I wish it was the numerology. I'm just looking at this. Yeah. But uh, yeah, suboptimalpods.com. Suboptimalpods is the uh, the little, not even network, because it's just us. Uh, me and my co-host, Tony Newsom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made a little website and a little little thing for when we went independent uh, a couple of years ago. Anyway, please yeah. come see us. It would be lovely. Hopefully, I will be entertain you all now enough to make a case <laughs> for, to see, see us live. Yeah. I, I, I'm optimistic. <laughs> uh, we also have our, our producer, Sophie Lichterman, on the call. How are you today, Sophie? I am doing well, Margaret. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. I, Sophie, did you ever have a Tumblr? I did not. That was like the one. That was like the <laughs> one subculture thing that I like avoided. I really? I, yeah. I think I'm jealous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, yes, but <laughs> it does seem like the kind of shit you would like. I, it definitely does, but I, 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 I honestly was did not have access to like computers and stuff that much. Sure. Sure. Okay. Sense. I was, I was more of like an outside kid, <laughs> more of a sports team kid. Yeah. Doing, doing actual shit. Yeah. I did get, I did <laughs> get my, MySpace scrubbed from the internet like a few years back. Cause there was like, it, cause it was, it was, wow. Is you that can a thing do that? that you can do? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah, but you have to like contact them cuz they cuz cuz when you for a while when you googled me there was just like awkward like teenage photos of me on the internet. But yeah, you had I, I had to work really hard to scrub. But you have to contact MySpace still exists, but you have to contact them and you have to contact them like a lot. And then you yeah. can get your MySpace scrubbed. Cuz it was Y'all yeah. keep talking. I'm going to go ahead and just see if my <laughs> yeah i am so grateful for the fact that i was an adult before not before the internet but before the like <laughs> ever present to internet herself so much <laughs> back in my day i know before the but, internet <laughs> but i was an adult when i was on myspace and so i was posting cringy stuff but it's like 23 year old me cringy stuff or something right. you know 
uh, a lot of old bad bands of mine have like multiple, I had multiple MySpace profiles for the same band because um, you could only have four songs up. And so I just set up multiple. Oh, you did the whole out. Al- oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. so enterprising. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, it appears as if I am not on MySpace anymore. I'm so happy but. for you. Yeah, because it was it was a mission to to, <laughs> to remove what was <laughs> an interesting choice in music. <laughs> okay, so speaking of things that yes. have cringy moments and really beautiful moments, much like Sophie's MySpace, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know what order we're going to release the episodes, but the last week last week we recorded this tearjerker of an episode about the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising and people fighting against Nazis, and I cried like a million times while I was researching it. So I decided I didn't Uh want to do that this week. (laughs) So this week, I've got something a little lighter. It doesn't have zero people killed by Nazis, but has so many fewer. So many fewer. All right. And because anywhere there's activists, there's bad stuff they're fighting against and people trying to stop them, right? But today, we're going to talk about how cool it is when people share food with each other. Because today we're going to talk about a long-standing global mutual aid project. Andrew, how do you feel about mutual aid? Uh, yeah, I, I've been I've been trying to get more involved in the the one that I my friend set up this little little outfit on a, that mostly hands stuff out on Skid Row and San Pedro for the sweep defenses here in LA. Oh, cool! Um, it's all called Solidarity and Snacks, which I guess actually, if there's another plug. Uh, the last mm-hmm. meeting that I missed, apparently we are once again, as perpetually, we are running low on funds. So uh, solidarity and snacks, go go and donate if you uh, feel like. Contribute. Because those are like two it. good things in one title. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so today, we're going to talk about a story of a mutual aid group that has spent a lot of time on the FBI's domestic terrorist watch list. It's an international conspiracy. It's present on every continent on Earth except Antarctica. It's present in at least 60 countries. It has somewhere around 1,000 autonomous cells. And daily, they commit crime since pretty much 1980. Thousands of members of this conspiracy have been arrested, including 54 of them in one single raid in one of their terror cells in San Francisco in 1988. Because today, we're going to talk about food, not bombs. Yes, <laughs> I figured. <laughs> we're going to talk about the group of nonviolence activists who cook vegetarian meals out of food that would have gone to waste and then feed it to, for free to people in the park. Yeah, I, I was uh, in high school. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh-huh. um, which is, a, you know, sort of because of college town vibes, like a big food, not bombs kind, yeah. of, kind of joint. Yeah, it was often like, yeah, things like, like littering or um, like, you know, serving like unlicensed food prep and things like that were, yeah. were the crime. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And we're going to get into how, like, it's, you know, why they're choosing to to come after people with all that stuff. But yeah, wherever yeah. there's people trying to serve free food, there's people yeah. trying to stop them. So, I mean, that's that has been the one thing is in my short, like, time, mm-hmm. like, really participating regularly in a mutual aid effort is, like, yeah, just, like, the, the act of not having, of trying to make people's lives slightly less miserable from time to time or like dignified, slightly more dignified from time to time is like an act of violence against the state in a way yeah. that is like, all right, well, this is good. This is something like, this is the revolution that my 
personal old body can handle also. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. We can just fucking help people. And that's yeah. like been a, kind of a revelation, I think, for me. Yeah, and like realizing that it actually, yeah, the fact that they're mad and try and stop it is how you like yeah. realize you're getting something done. You're kind of like, yeah. I mean, I want to feed people that rules, but you're like, oh, this actually means something more. And you know, because they're trying to stop you from doing it. Yeah, they're really pissed about it. Yeah. So, so anthropologist David Giles called Food Not Bombs tongue-in-cheek. He calls it a mass conspiracy to feed people or a, a network of anarchist soup kitchens. And importantly, Food Not Bombs tries for a, a mutual aid model rather than a charity model. It's basically attempting to create horizontal care rather than something that denies people agency, right? You're trying to increase our collective agency rather than say, well, I've got some stuff and you can have it, you peasant or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's a it's a mass leaderless movement of autonomous groups that just share a few basic concepts in a name. All you've got to do to be food not bombs is call yourself food not bombs and then go out and do it, get food donations or just pull stuff out of the trash and then follow three basic principles of the non-group. And the three principles are the food is always vegan or vegetarian and free to everyone without restriction, rich or poor, stoned or sober. You can tell this was written a couple decades ago. Food Not Bombs has no formal leaders or headquarters, and every group is autonomous and makes decisions using consensus process. Food Not Bombs is dedicated to nonviolent direct action and works for nonviolent social change. So those are the three rules. But even, even these three rules on the ground, this gets messy, right? Because not everyone follows these three rules. Right, right, right. Like, theoretically, the one that I've run across the most you know, theoretically, a group should not call itself Food Not Bombs if it serves meat, for example. And I might get flack for suggesting that I have observed people doing otherwise, right? Um, yeah. You know, usually it's on the side, but, you know, and then I know another group that just didn't call itself Food Not Bombs because they were like, well, we're going to do the exact same thing, but we're going to serve meat. And their reasoning was sound. Yeah. Their reasoning was, we eat meat, the people who are serving eat meat, so let's yeah. just serve them meat. Yeah. And, you know, and they're getting the same donations of, uh, of meat from the same place they get all the rest of the produce, so fuck it. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, we recently had a thing with Solidarity Snacks where we got, yeah, like a hot food donation. Mm -hmm. And it really was a thing where it was like, man, you know, because our normal thing is like packaged like snacks oh, and yeah. water mm -hmm. and PPE and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, right. The transition between like serving plates <laughs> of is so many layers more difficult. Yep. And then like the, the vegan thing does have a extremely, I guess there's practical mm -hmm. elements that sort of cut both ways. One is like, it's a little wild to, it does feel like, look, if there is food that is not vegan, that is going to waste, mm -hmm. it makes sense to get it back out into the community, yeah. I think. But also it does, it creates layers of food safety that yeah. are so many, yep. so many magnitudes more complex. I'm just like, you know, <laughs> the thing with the vegan stuff is that it is pr almost certainly never going to go bad. Yeah. And if it goes bad, it's not going to kill someone. <laughs> that is literally the like, next sense of my script. That is so true. It, yeah. In all likelihood, yeah. you know, caveat, but... Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I was just like, because yeah, I think the first time I came across the vegan thing, I was like, people don't necessarily want vegan stuff. Yeah, but it's so much easier. <laughs> yeah, I um, I mean, I've been vegan for a very long time, right? But I, I, I have no problem with the people who are like figuring out ways to serve other people meat and all that. 
Um, but one of the reasons I stayed vegan for so long was because I ate food out of the trash for a very long time. And I was like, the worst I'm facing is a stomach ache. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that there's a way that I could eat vegan trash <laughs> and kill myself if I really worked at it. But yeah, you know, like way easier. I think it's significantly less likely. Yeah, yeah. I think that that truly is yeah. like the the strongest case for yeah. it. Yeah, it was a little hilarious. I forgot. Like at one point, we were getting. Um, oh shoot, I feel bad. I don't remember the name of the organization, but it was it was some organization in um, South Central mm-hmm. had vegan burritos that were, they were like contributing. And it was a little like the chickpea curry burrito. It's like such a staple <laughs> of mutual aid. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what's going out the door right now. <laughs> I was like, damn, I have, I have like held this very burrito in my hand across like different decades, uh-huh. like different states, different cities. It's always the same thing. Yeah, I I love food not bombs, but I um I didn't eat eggplant for a very long time after eating a lot of food not bombs because I was yeah. convinced you just it was impossible to cook it well. But the truth was <laughs> random people yeah. who don't know how to cook um yeah. don't cook it well. It is. It is that like God. We, we feel like someone should just do like, like uh, the updated mutual aid cookbook. Yeah, just like still shit that you can get frequently in donations, but we really just gotta like change the proportions a little yeah. bit and like yeah, totally figure out some way to <laughs> or not. But I was just like, God damn it, this fucking yeah, <laughs> like chickpea curry burrito <laughs> had it so many times. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the, and the other rule that people, I think, break, or not break, but is like complicated to a lot of people who set up these groups, is the third rule, the, the fact that it is committed to nonviolent direct action. I would say Food Not Bombs itself is a nonviolent direct action, and people get very excited about it as a nonviolent direct action. But I will say that yeah. um, a lot of the, the, the activist world has changed dramatically since the 80s, and the threat models that we face have changed dramatically since the 80s. And I would say that a lot of people who cook and participate in Food Not Bombs on an organizational level are not themselves committed to nonviolence resistance. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, I think I think rightfully it's a multi-part yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That has been that has been like the an interesting thing about more actively participating in something like this too, which is like again, something not the food not bombs, but a mutual aid more more like regular mutual aid thing is like yeah just like like because part of me was like people here seem really paranoid and then like <laughs> after hanging out with them for a couple of years i'm like i understand why people here because really <laughs> <laughs> i was like i don't know we, i feel like we put a lot of secrecy in like you know how many granola bars we're getting this week oh, and yeah. like yeah you know but i was like okay i'm starting to understand what's happening here <laughs> one time this isn't in the, i'm going off script whoa okay so this one time i was in it was like 2002 or 2003 and we were having this demonstration in chicago and i remember i don't even remember what we were demonstrating against they used to demonstrate against a lot of things and we're meeting up in the basement of the info shop and we're like everyone's being really careful and like speaking about anonymous things and everyone's like it's this top secret thing and the, the city has spent tens of millions of dollars on the the security and we're all like all right what are we gonna cook what what yeah. what is the food not bombs <laughs> and i remember because we had to drive past police lines with our like tables strapped to the top of a minivan in order to serve food and 
And we picked, I, I was considered the most arrestable person. So I was the one who carried the knife so that we could uh, cut the Margaret, cable. Why? Eh, oh, I had no. nowhere else to be. <laughs> but I wasn't out as trans yet, you know? Um, the most arrestable person, low-key a flex. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, yeah, I was the one with no responsibilities. And so, so I carried the knife so that we could cut the rope to get the table off of the top of the minivan so that the minivan could get away before they would be like pulled over and ticketed. And it was like, okay, how are we going to, you know, and I just remember I had this moment where I was like, they think we're down here plotting like murder, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And we are definitely like, how do we go feed people downtown tomorrow? Um, Yeah. I mean, like the other way to look at it though, a little bit, I think, and the the feeling I've been having, and this might be a little not like self serving but <laughs> self justifying, is like you know like like any effort. It's it's that like logistical support is actually totally. like how you run a resistance, run an army. Totally. Like you know, even just like recently, you know, I, I'm not like a military person, mm-hmm. but just watch you know. This, this this shit in Ukraine, mm-hmm. like half of it is really just like, yeah, you, you make it so the food trucks take two days longer to get there and the army stops. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's really like, That's like true. I think that that is maybe the other side of it is like they realize that like this level of organization and like just truly mass logistical support is the thing that turns into whatever resistance is most needed at the time, or at least can turn into. Those are the pieces. No, you're right. And and it's part of, and now I'm cheating, we'll have to skip this when I get to it later in the script. It's part of um, what makes it mutual aid instead of just a charity organization, right? Because you're creating the infrastructure by which we can feed ourselves and others. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. It's one of those things, because I, I, you know, I'm I'm now just like, I, I've just aged into I can't, I'm too old to throw a brick. <laughs> not that I ever threw a brick, but I was like, no, no, you know, certainly not. At least <laughs> ready, ready in theory yeah. to throw a brick. Yeah. And if I, you know, absolutely had to, yeah. and I was just like, all right, my brick throwing days are mm-hmm. over. But like, I don't even remember who. This is something I've repeated multiple places, and I should look up. But the this paraphrase, which is like. You know, it's not the sexiest thing, but someone needs to wash the dishes during the revolution yeah. too. Like, totally. you know, th- that's like just, you know, not like just as important maybe, but like those things are all like part of, yeah. you know, both an act of resistance and an act of good society. Yeah. It's part of the invisibilized labor too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, I'm sure there's an element to it where the reason it's not glorious <laughs> is because it's quote unquote women's yeah. work. Yeah, know? totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the first time I wrote in some of I, you know, the whole thing isn't just Margaret nostalgia hour, but but I I, I wrote in part of this. The first time I ate food not bombs, I've been a traveling activist for like three days. I had just dropped out of college. I'm in Richmond, Virginia, and I'm hanging out by the river with these like super scary train riding people with like there's like a woman with like face tattoos of like tiger stripes and stuff. And they're like, all right, we're going to food not bombs. So I go to food not bombs. And I show up in the park and a couple minivans full of crust punks, which is at the time is a very important distinction between the crust punks who live in houses and the crusties who don't. Um, 
all the terminology has changed since then. There's no point in me telling anyone this. <laughs> they they come out and they have all these trays of food. It's a three course meal. It's actually the best food not bombs meal I've ever eaten. They had like made dessert. They made this like raspberry cobbler, and it was hundreds of people in the park from a lot, not all walks of life, right? But a lot of different walks of life of people are in this park eating this food, and it and that was kind of when I learned that there was almost this like, and I and when I say was, it's because my own my own knowledge of food not bombs tapers off. My own direct involvement in food not bombs tapers mm-hmm. off. But at least at the time, there was this kind of like network of all of the different East Coast cities were kind of competing to see who had the the best food, the most food, the most servings, and to feed <laughs> the most people. Um, and it ruled. Like it just, you know, that's the only competition I'm really excited about is the like super friendly competition where we all just get better at everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that that that's sort of like exactly the best version of this sort of thing. I guess it's also like having not as close, mm-hmm. but witnessed sort of these things also. Like, it is remarkable how that what should be friendly competition can then also yeah, turn totally. into yeah. like bonkers hierarchical bullshit. Yeah. I'm just like, come on. Totally. But any power, I guess, is always dangerous. Yep. Okay, so the history of Food Not Bombs. So it started as a bit of, it was a prank kind of, a bit of street theater. And one of the problems with doing the history of Food Not Bombs is we mostly have one guy's word for it. The guy who's still around who still cooks Food Not Bombs, mostly in Santa Cruz. His name's Keith McHenry. And I don't agree with most of his takes on current events. Um, he's kind of gone anti-vax. Oh, sure. But, um, but we mostly have his word. We also have a word from our sponsors. Yeah. So one of the things that's very important to know about Cool People Did Cool Stuff is that we are only sponsored by very positive things and also things that you can't buy. So, for example, we are our, our perpetual and longest running sponsor is the concept of potatoes. No individual potato vendor or even style, but just the concept of potatoes. And I'm wondering if you have anything particularly positive that you would like Sophie to do the work to get to sponsor this particular episode. Previous sponsors have been the, the concept of tap water, the concept of music. Oh, I see. Well, yeah, just the little, the dogs. I'm using a toothpick to point to the dogs. The concept the of dogs. Dogs. It's like a sleepy dog, a sleepy dog. Yes. Um, my, my absolute worst thing that I've done in the last two years is I have trained the dogs uh, to go into the crate by saying, go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and they go they hop right in the crate <laughs> and it's funny to me but not awesome i love that <laughs> my friend had a had her dog trained to uh to to put his paws on the wall if he said cops he would go up and put his paws against the wall that's amazing <laughs> yeah it's really you know, the, your relationship with your dogs yeah. is an interesting one. Yeah. yeah, let's give give it up for these little for the a snoozing dogs, sleeping dogs, and whatever whoever else paid us some money and put ads on the show. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination. So pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. Okay, and we are back from those excellent advertisements about sleeping dogs. Uh, if there were any other advertisements at all, please complain to Sophie. Um, you can <laughs> find her on Twitter at I write okay. And so, Keith McHenry, one of the founders of Food Not Bombs and the primary historian of Food Not Bombs, and I'm, I, uh, I don't, I don't think he has any particular reason to lie about any of this, but it's just sort of frustrating that I can't check against other things very effectively. Sure. And he sometimes centers himself a little bit in the history. But um, but maybe it's completely accurate. I don't know. So he seems to be the one who runs the Food Not Bombs website anyway. I like Food Not Bombs as a mass movement is what I'm trying to say. And no offense to this particular person who I disagree with on some stuff. So sure, it grows out of the anti-nuclear movement. On, on May 24th in 1980, there was this big civil disobedience protest at a nuclear power plant construction site in New Hampshire. And I know that nuclear power is kind of more of a complex issue in the current context of global warming and as we try and figure out what the hell we're going to do. But at the time, nuclear power especially was understood as a pretty clear danger, right? The anti-nuke movement spent its time drawing attention to that danger and especially nuclear disarmament and the fact that they were all expecting to die in a hollow, like a you know, nuclear war at any given moment. And they were also did all this six years before Chernobyl. So they clearly weren't entirely wrong about the dangers of nuclear power plants. Uh, so they decided to try and stop this place from being built. 
and they do it through mass civil disobedience. And the way they go about it, it's really fucking cool. Uh, 4,000 people show up. And that's not huge for a protest, but it's really big for direct action. Yeah. 4,000 people with construction helmets and DIY padded armor and grappling hooks and shit show up. Uh, and they are all set to tear down the fence, storm the place, and put their bodies in front of bulldozers in nonviolence of a disobedience form. The government, though, the government doesn't actually want them to do this for some odd reason. I wasn't able to find the government's reasoning for stopping them. But they go about working, trying to stop them. The National Guard shows up. They wade in with batons to beat the shit out of everyone. They pepper spray everyone. Helicopters drop tear gas on them from helicopters. I guess the helicopters are the helicopters. And the spokesperson for the, the protesters, a guy named Brian Fiegenbaum, may or may not have hit a cop with a grappling hook. Uh, <laughs> that is what he got arrested for anyhow. And I, I would argue that he deserves support even if he didn't do it. So, <laughs> so his support team, thanks, thanks for laughing at my joke. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. I, it took me a second. Yeah. I was like, I got it. Yeah, I yeah. It. I wrote it and I was like, is this going gonna, gonna to work? I don't know. Anyway, um, so his support team goes about trying to raise money for his legal defense. And so they're like, all right, it's 1980 and you're, how, how would you, what's the first non-crime method that you would use to try and raise money? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, in the 80, 1980s? Yeah. God, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's okay. There's gotta Dance be, a thought. There's got to be some, some like securities fraud or something. <laughs> no, I said non-crime. Right? Non-crime. Non-crime. Uh, I think most, I of those, most of those guys were not charged with anything. <laughs> That's true. So. Fair, fair, all right. Fair. All right. <laughs> I like mine. Danceathon. Yeah. There it is. And the world would be a very different place <laughs> if they had gone with Danceathon. They did not. No, they went with her, uh, a bake sale. Cute. And a bake sale is a very cute way to have people have muffins and brownies, but it is not a particularly effective way to raise money on the scale that they're attempting to raise money. So it doesn't work very well. And so they're like, Okay, you know that cliche, it'll be a great day when our schools get all the money they need and the Air Force has to hold a bake sale to, to buy a B-1 bomber? Okay, so my theory is that in the 80s, everyone in the United States was mailed a poster that says this, and that's how it became a cliche. Much like how, sure. I believe it was 2005, where the government mailed everyone a coexist sticker so that they could put it on their car. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So they're looking... Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like I having grown up in like a kind of hippie college uh -huh. town... I'm just like, I feel like I know the exact person who probably had to be making those oh, fucking yeah. coexistence. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. They're also anti-vax. Yeah. Hippies, hippies went anti-boomers, hippies I went anti-vax, I guess. No. That's just the way They're the like, world. we don't trust the government. And I'm that, like, I don't either, but I trust good. scientists sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also like, oh, I mean, obviously we don't need to, <laughs> you know, go go down this road, but it's like, that's not how the government is going to fuck I know. you. It's so weird. It's like they're going to fuck you by not giving you a vaccine, you lunatic, or charging you money for yeah. it. If you think they have goddamn Terminator-style nanobots, then like... It's over. It's over at that point. The vaccine, Yeah, the vaccine is by far the least <laughs> yeah, of your worries. Totally. Bill Gates can't even get you to buy a fucking telephone. Yeah. You think he could control people's minds? <laughs> yeah. Oh, if he did, it would just be through advertising. And like, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's they are controlling your mind yeah. in a different way. Yeah. Oh, it's so dumb. Sorry. I'm they sorry. would be buying advertising this in is, politically radical like, shows. Oh no. This is like 2020 yeah. uh, level of discourse. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize for being so far behind. It's all right. I live under a rock. So okay, so they look at this poster. They they have a copy. They apparently they got one because they were like they also had like a moving company. They just had a bunch of different odd jobs. And someone like gave them a poster. And they look at the poster and like, oh, that's a good idea. So they have another bake sale, but this time they dress up like generals and they just say, We're here to raise money to buy a bomber. <laughs> and this once again does not raise much money for their friend. But what it does is it shows them that uh, street theater is a very effective means to, to communicate with people and talk to people. Because the first bake sale is kind of a wash. Second bake sale, they don't make any money, but they, they talk to people. And people get, are like, oh, what's this about? And they get to like, talk about all their politics and stuff with passerby, and people are into it. So they're like, all right, street theater, that's the thing. And so the next thing they do, they're not even trying to raise money anymore. They just want to protest some banks that are funding nuclear nonsense. And so... There's a big stockholder meeting. It's March 26, 1981. And the activists decide to stage a... Okay, this part's actually really cringy. Um, <laughs> they decide to stage a soup kitchen in front, uh, which is okay. And they're like, these policies are what led us to the Great Depression. We don't want to go back. I'm like, okay, I'm with you. And then they're like, so let's dress up like homeless people. Um, I'm no longer with them. And then sure. they're like, and let's go to a homeless shelter the night before and recruit people to come be extras in our street theater at this protest by telling them that we'll give them some soup if they come. And I don't want to like deny the people who came their agency, but like, I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. love this. Yeah. I mean, any, anything conditional is always like, yeah. 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 I, you sort of like see exactly like the origins of this. Um, yeah. This like kind of, type of movement in a way you're like okay well but that is actually why it's nice that um you, you know there's i think the emphasis on a non-hierarchical yeah. kind of thing at least it, it's like good there's no there's no gods there's no founding fathers yeah. that we have to give a shit about yep. even in this mutual aid effort, yeah exactly which is like so yeah good. yeah and, I, and you know and i can be like super grateful that you know what they what they set up and like and so they stage this protest, they set up a soup kitchen, and like 50 people from the shelter come, and they show up for lunch, and everyone was happy and everything was good based on what we know of it. And, and the 50 folks were like, there's no one really feeding people downtown, this is Boston, no one really feeding downtown, you should do this every day. And, um, and I would argue that these 50 anonymous people are the true founders of Food Not Bombs, but that's just my own. Um, yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we're actually on to something here. So all these activists, they're like, food matters. Food brings people together. People also need food. People seem to be addicted to it for some odd reason. And so they all quit their jobs. And depending on who you ask, they either rented a house or squatted a house. And now I would argue quit your job and rent a house is a sort of contradictory statement. <laughs> so yeah. my money is on squat a house. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, or, you know, or one of them had a bunch of money from somewhere, which is totally fine. And if so, they just, if so, they use their parents' money incredibly well. But my money is on squat at a house. And they, they just go about doing this. And 
they start soliciting donations of food that would be going to waste from from bakeries and food co-ops. One of them worked at a food co-op and was like used to throwing away all this food and was like, this sucks, you know. And uh, they start cooking all this food and they start bringing it to shelters, to rehabs, to immigrant support centers, to housing projects. Basically, they're like, anywhere someone needs food, we're showing up with food. We're good at finding food and we will bring it to people. And then with the like kind of leftovers, they start having this feed in Harvard Square and they set up food for all comers. And these feeds turn into events and people are bringing puppets and drums and all that shit that 80s activists were super into. And people are sharing radical literature and then they're running around graffiti and everything with like peace graffiti. I've totally met this kind of person before and I, I love them even though I'm not one of them, you know. And one of the slogans <laughs> that they use in their, their tag is money for food, not bombs. And eventually this gets shortened to food, not bombs. And that's how the, the whole project gets its name. Or Keith Henry coined it, depends on who you ask. Sure. And I'm going to take one more swipe at this particular weird history stuff. Uh, soon they had a logo too, which is a purple fist holding a carrot. That's the Food Not Bombs logo. And Keith McHenry drew that. But um, the food co-op movement had been using a fist holding a carrot as a logo uh, since the 1970s. So anyway, <laughs> whatever. Like, yeah, I actually kind of don't care. Like, but go ahead. Yeah, it's that era. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Yeah, it's just sort of that era and that type of folks. And there's a kind of limit to how much different graphic design you can That's do. a good point. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and so culturally, this group grows out of the anti-nuke movement, uh, which was a, a kind of a fun mix of anarchist and Quaker who are both friends of the pod. They seem to show up constantly. Well, the anarchists, because I'm, I'm one, so I keep throwing them in. But the Quakers had no idea when I started this podcast how fucking radical the Quakers are throughout everything in history. And then also radical Catholics are part of the anti-nuke movement. And, and I know some of the founders of the of Funa Bombs are anarchists. I don't know if all of them were. It's possible because they, like, they seem to practice a lot of the cultural norms of like, anarchist activism throughout this time. But it's also possible that they just set those norms. So I don't know. But the anti-nuke movement, it's drawing from these three sources. And as far as I can tell, you get direct action protest and youthful vigor from the anarchists. You get consensus decision-making from the Quakers. And from the Catholics, you get this, um, you do what is right, whether it's safe or not. And then you also get this idea that I had no idea about, but I got kind of excited about when I learned about this idea called personalism, this theological concept. And this segues us into me explaining the different ways that people talk and look at homelessness. So I yeah. want to do that. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh -huh. Wait, uh, are you going to go into personalism? I am, but it's going to come um, back around. Oh, do you, okay, do you right, know right, about right, personalism? Because right. no, no, if so. No, oh, okay. no, no, no. Yeah. I, I'm really, I'm just like, yeah. Okay, I'm no, ready. it's going to come back here. around to it. So. Amazing. Okay, so there's, I'm going to contrast two theories about homelessness and extreme poverty as named by sociologist uh, Teresa Gowan. And I hate, a good, I hate a good versus bad dichotomy, but this is a good versus bad dichotomy because one of these ideas <laughs> is good and one of these ideas is bad. Um, the first theory, uh, Gowan calls sick talk. And this theory claims that people are homeless because of mental health, addiction, and criminality. Uh, do you want to guess whether this is the good theory or the bad theory by my standard? <laughs> I'm comfortable saying yes. that. <laughs> Surprise, I love this one. No, I'm just kidding. So, sick talk goes back centuries. Everyone always wants to blame individuals for social problems. I don't know if you've run across this before. Yes, of course, uh, yeah. In contrast, you've got system talk. And I think that they use these terms to be like the way people talk about it, right? Um, so you can either talk about people as sick or you can talk about systems. And during the Great Depression, future friends of the pod, industrial workers of the world, the Wobblies, they push this sort of theory. 
the this theory is basically that homelessness is driven by the boom and bust cycles of capitalism and the economy's need for a huge reserve of workers. And and for a good 40 years or so after the depression, even the US government is on system talk. A, a kind of a watered down one compared to what the labor unions want, but and it and this is where you get like the new deal and all that shit from. Um which is like trying to moderate out the worst bad stuff about capitalism. Um, in a lot of ways, as far as I understand, basically to be like, well, we either do this or people start thinking that the USSR is, looks like a good idea, you know? Yeah. Then Reagan came in and dismantled all that shit in the 80s with this free market bullshit, uh, which caused a spike in homelessness, which then got blamed on people getting out of mental institutions. Right. Even though, actually, the, the there were more people going into mental institutions, not the other way around. But, Right, right. <laughs> Sick talk isn't a totally fuck them approach. It's not just a like, I don't care, let them die in the streets. Instead, it's like, yeah. like system talk is like, well, let's provide everyone what they need, or at least let's set up like work programs and, and help everyone deal with shit. Whereas sick talk solutions are like, oh no, everyone who's homeless is sick and needs treatment, and they treat homelessness yeah. as this individual problem. Um, yeah. Well, it, it's also that, you know, the, the thing, the charity versus mutual mm-hmm. aid thing, as you talked about earlier, which is like, which is also vocabulary I'm like, not good at. Eh. Uh, but yeah, this idea that it's like, like sick, sick talk as, as we were, as you were, is sort of like leads to this like pity yeah. response. So you do this out of pity, um, which is not like, effect. I yeah. mean, you see the ways that it's not yeah, effective. Totally. No, that's such a good point. And so even though it's Reagan who brings all this stuff up, uh, is bipartisan. Bill Clinton is entirely on this page and everyone since then has pretty much been on this page. Um, Because if we can see homelessness as a personal failing instead of an economic crisis, then we can avoid paying attention to the economic crisis. Although I would argue that we will not be able to avoid talking about the economic crisis much longer. Yeah. But um, I don't know. So, so, I don't like sick talk very much. I like system talk. But what does this have to do with food, not bombs, and Catholics and personalism, you ask? Glad you asked. So <laughs> these problems, uh, they, they have to get addressed on a system-wide level, but that doesn't mean there aren't individuals who are suffering from it. And so I want to quote uh, the author, Sean Parson, who wrote a book called Cooking Up a Revolution about food, not bombs. What makes the radical homelessness politics of groups like food, not bombs, and the Catholic workers unique is not that they embrace a systems talk, but that they fuse systems talk with a radical personalism. Personalism, which has its roots in Catholic theology and the writings of Thoreau and Tolstoy, friend of the pod Tolstoy, and every fucking episode along with the <laughs> Incredible. I did not think we were getting a nope. Tolstoy in this one. Wow. Nope. Um, Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, is a European religious ethical philosophy developed by Emmanuel Monnier, I think. To Manier, each and every person was modeled in the image of God and therefore was uniquely beautiful and valuable. Therefore, no person is worth more than another and no person is expendable. And so, uh, I'm, I'm no, this is no longer a quote. Personalism is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it springs up in the early 20th century and then it influences this interwar movement in France. I love falling down these rabbit holes. It's one of my favorite parts about this podcast. So, there's this, this interwar movement in France called the Nonconformists who do what a lot of my favorite people do. They like, um, they're influenced by a bunch of French socialists, including uh, Proudhon, the anarchist. And they, they hate capitalism because uh, reasonably obvious why. And they hate fascism because it's even more obvious why. 
Um, and they hate the USSR because reasonably obvious why. Um, <laughs> and actually, one of the reasons that they hate the USSR, though, is that they're mostly religious and they are not materialists. They, they believe in, in spirituality. And so they're like left with like, well, what the hell do we believe if we come up with this like spiritual socialism? And it's very heavily influenced by personalism. And, um, and I don't know a ton about these folks yet. I'm just like kind of starting to learn about them. Also, they kind of didn't get a chance to do anything cool because then World War II happened and then like half of them became collaborationists with the Nazis and then the other half joined the French resistance, um, I think. Right. So, which I guess... <laughs> that makes sense. It's sort of... Yeah, those are sort of the two sides. Yeah. Of it. Mm-hmm. I just even as you're talking, the the interesting thing is like, I mean, like any philosophy, obviously, like there, anything can be used in a different way. But uh, I hadn't really like heard this phrase or this concept, personalism. Mm-hmm. But that also is the direct line to if you truly believe that a fucking embryo is a person, then why why is you know, a real person more valuable than these cells. Yeah, if totally. You in personalism. Totally. Like, oh. Yep. And you know what else is more valuable than some cells? <laughs> Advertisements. Yes. Always. Once, ag- once again, debatable. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> based on the aforementioned economic system <laughs> that we live under, we are sponsored by advertisers. And you can listen to them if you want. Or you can fast forward, I don't care. Neither do I. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. 
Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. And we are back. Yeah, and we're talking about personalism and, and all that stuff. And and one of the reasons I like how it ties into uh, taking care of people is that it's kind of this exploding mm-hmm. brain meme, right? Um, you get the, the, the smallest brain is the sick talk where it's like homelessness is an individual person's fault. And then you get systems talk, which is like, actually, it's the result of systems and needs to be addressed on a systemic level. And then you get the big exploding brain thing where it's like, yeah, it's totally the system's fault and needs to be addressed on a systemic level. But this also affects individuals, and we need to address it on an individual level as well. Even though the blame isn't on the individual, the care yeah. also needs to happen on an individual level. Um, so I like it, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably right. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's the two sides mm-hmm. of that, which is like it's a systemic problem, but systems are just groups of people doing shit to other groups that's of people. Really- and like one way to help fix that of as an individual is to just try to undo some of that harm. no totally and like like i don't know if you like walk into your house and it's trashed totally wasn't you i swear and like you mm. just gotta start cleaning you know it's like yeah. all right just pick up one yeah. thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. Yeah. yeah exactly um you know and then you also have to figure out uh the systems that we're allowing your why this yeah exactly happening. yeah so uh, anyway, the, the anti-nuke movement, all these things coming together. I really like when different different groups with different ideologies get together and figure out what they can do together and where their strengths overlap. And so that's and and how you get food not bombs, this global movement out of this uh, melting pot or you know whatever this alchemical pit, mortar and pestle. I'm not very good at alchemy. Um, I have not successfully uh, turned lead into stone lead into gold. I don't even know what I'm supposed to turn lead into. I'm going to continue with the script. Gold. <laughs> gold. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah, you don't need that lead. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God. Okay, but when we start our worker owned ammo factory and we yeah. use it to fund food for everyone, we can have the slogan turning lead into gold because we make money off oh, of the I ammo. Thought, yeah, I thought you were going the other way. We're turning gold into lead. Ah, no, yeah, but it does go both ways. Okay, that's actually a better direction. All right. Well, you can be in charge of that part, it's, the figuring out what we're doing. Oh, God. Um, God forbid. Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, I guess we have other stuff to do. Okay. It, <laughs> I wouldn't be good at it. You don't want me taking this all right, one. All right, all right. Fine. We'll find someone else. Sophie? All right. Anderson, maybe? Sophie? I, I'm shaking my head. Oh. Anderson's Anderson. her own person. I mean, she doesn't have thumbs, but she would give it her best effort. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's our our um our logo is just Anderson's face. <laughs> Anderson is a dog for anyone who's listening. She just um, gave me the best side eye a dog can give. <laughs> I looked at her like I was like, "Is that true? That's what you're doing on your free time?" And she was like, "Uh huh." <laughs> so I guess it's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
So back to honestly, seems right. Back to Funab bombs. It really does. <laughs> in the early eighties, Funab bombs is at every protest, including anti-nuclear activism against the war on drugs. They're working against all the fuckery that the U.S. is getting up to in Central America. Basically, they're part of like every movement that anyone who is paying attention in the nineteen eighties would be part of. And and this part is important too, right? That they fed protests. You know, we talked about this a bit before, right? That like. It's, mutual aid is this act of solidarity um, because it's it's sharing things because sharing things is good because we should take care of each other. And there's like this reciprocity implied in mutual aid. And actually a lot of the older definitions of mutual aid are actually um, like mutual aid societies where everyone like pools their money and take care of each other. It's actually where like modern insurance comes from and all this shit. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, basically like you, you, you join a society. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But... But this mutual aid, it's, it doesn't necessarily imply a one-to-one. It's not, I scratch your back and you scratch mine. And so the mutual aid of food, not bombs, is I'm human, you're human, let's take care of each other. Uh, I got all this extra food, I cooked it up for me and my friends, you can come too. You know, um, and a lot of the people, more than other organizations that I've seen that do this, it's not perfect or utopian, and it's never always right. But it's like a lot of the people who come to eat end up winding, wind up cooking and organizing as well, because it's so participatory. Mm-hmm. And they've done two things uh, intertwined for 40 plus years. First, it feeds hungry people. And second, it's fed a movement. And just basically allows these social movements to exist. You know, like when when I was a, a full-time activist, when I was sick, I would go to activist doctors. When I needed shelter, I would squat buildings or I would stay in people's backyards or basements or, or wherever people could find shelter for me while I was in town for a protest or whatever. And and when we needed food, there's food, not bombs. Uh, Sometimes in some cities, there'd be four or five days a week that you could go to Food Not Bombs and get a hot meal and groceries to take home. And anyone who comes, you're treated like a person instead of like this sort of like lots of other groups feed and that's cool. But there's like a scale of how inclusive it feels. Like when you show up and they're like, here's your number. Make sure you sit at least 30 feet away from me because I don't like looking at you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's like, oh God. I mean, that's such, like, it's so like, I'm just, I, mean, I can't even like figure out like the, the, what I'm saying, <laughs> but it, it, it is just the thing where you're like, yeah, you see that. And it's, yeah, I, and maybe this is again, me, me now having spent more time on Skid Row than I yeah. had, you know, prior in the last like two years, but it is like, and I'm sure every, every bit of like, you know, uh, eye roll mm-hmm. I feel uh, watching some other groups I'm like I have been that person so <laughs> totally. I'm trying not to just be like like you know gatekeeping yeah. or a dick about it yeah. at all I, I'm just, it, it is though you're just like oh my god yeah all, all those things that you see it's like almost and and mm-hmm. not always without malice but often it's like not even with malice it's just like you know you don't know how to if you're not yeah. sort of comfortable or fluent in in what folks need and want, and you know, you know, there's and there's elements too of just like, what I'm giving you something, yeah. You know, they, <laughs> I think it's the like you should be grateful yeah, yeah. of it that is like so like yeah, oh, yeah. But. And it's like and sometimes it sucks, right? You like you give someone something and they're like, well, I want another one, and I'm like, I wish you appreciated that I had made this for you, you know, <laughs> and like because like sometimes it's like well, you also want to be seen as human, and now. I walk through my life and I'm seen as human on a fairly regular basis as compared to the person who I'm offering this thing to. But yeah, like it, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's all a scale and like, I'm not trying to knock people who 
you know, it's like, and even the like the line between charity and mutual aid is not this like impassable gulf with two completely different ideas on each side. It's like a, it's a spectrum. And like, we mm-hmm. should all look at trying to increase other people's agencies and, and, and create mutual aid, you know, but it's like, but also just like fucking go out there and try and help people have better yeah. lives and then figure it out. I don't know, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, hopefully the good version of this is people get yeah. there kind of yeah. no matter what. So yeah. And then another, um, another thing that sort of ties into this like movement building version of mutual aid really quickly that I, I is not really included in this episode. We'll have its own episode. I'm sure is the black Panthers breakfast uh, program that they did. You know, and there's this mm-hmm. famous thing that the Black Panthers, one of the most radical things they did, and actually one of the things that if, I believe even the FBI uh, said was one of the most dangerous things they did was that they yeah. fed people, they fed kids before they went to school. And like, and that's a movement feeding itself, you know, even though it's like, I mean, the kids aren't the activists, but like, whatever, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So this is what they're doing in Boston at this point. This is not spread yet. And there's one little tiny anecdote that I think is just like cute and funny about them. Okay, so there's the Pepsi challenge, right? And I thought this was this thing that only existed Mm -hmm. in the 80s, but I was like looking it up for this episode. Apparently, it's like still ongoing. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Okay, so there's a Pepsi challenge where you're like supposed to drink Pepsi versus Coke in a blind taste test. Sophie's looking at the script being like, where's this shit going? Um, (laughs) Yeah, because this is a thing again. This is a thing again. It's all over you. You would that you would not know this, Margaret, because it is very pop culture. But it's a whole thing right now on TikTok. No, I no idea. uh, Yep. Where there's a bunch of people and they take, you know, Diet Coke, uh, Uh Diet Pepsi, Coke, Pepsi, Coke, Zero, all those things. And they put it behind. They put all the cans or whatever. And then the person drinking it can't take it. And people are like trying to Mm -hmm. be like, no, I know what the real one is. And like most of the time they get it wrong. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's yeah. No, that's like a viral trend right now. All right. And I'm on I'm on trend by accident. For some reason, I get those, (laughs) which is like, why? Okay. (laughs) Like, apparently that's something I'm super into. And now we're talking about it on Cool People Did Cool Uh. Stuff. Maybe okay. <laughs> maybe the algorithm wrote this episode. Um, maybe I'm the algorithm. <laughs> I'm the machine. Are you the algorithm? I'm the machine. Okay, I knew it. Yeah, that's why you're so angry against me. <laughs> it's a rage against the machine joke. That's a band I've heard of, even though they're pop culture. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, so the the Pepsi challenge has been going on since the '70s. It's the least important thing that's ever happened in the history of the universe. You got the, the cola wars between Coke and Pepsi. So Pepsi is setting up tents and doing this blind taste test. And they they probably, there's like different ideas of how they like make it so that they win all the time. Um, you know, and one one claim is that they basically put out like fizzy Pepsi and flat Coke. And they, they set up right next mm. to the Food Not Bombs tent in Harvard Square. And so, and they keep doing this. And the Food Nut Bombs are like, oh my God, we hate this so much. This is the fucking 1980s. Like (laughs) anti-corporate branding is like their thing, right? And and so they hate this so much. So what they do is they go home and then they come back and they have the tofu challenge (laughs) where they make (laughs) smoothies with tofu in them (laughs) and they offer people free smoothies with tofu in them. (laughs) And and I hope they made them taste okay because... You can have a tasty tofu smoothie. It's just that that sounds like some shit. So my my brother has was like plant based for about 
10 years uh-huh. at when he started medical school he stopped being able to I'm just airing out his life he stopped being able to digest meat yeah uh, he can digest meat again uh-huh. but he kept trying to trick me into eating tofu <laughs> like he would be like isn't that delicious and then and then and I'd like, yeah, good. he'd be like it's tofu and like I wouldn't know so I had like major di- like trust issues <laughs> with vegans for a minute because he'd be like isn't that delicious it's not actually cheese and it's like yeah i i, I know yeah you wouldn't you have given me cheese you sprinkled it from like a little container like i'm very aware that that is not cheese on the thing you're calling pizza anyways but yeah tofu mm-hmm. smoothie delicious hot okay I'm not believing okay you. not believing you here's my pitch <laughs> Half a block of tofu, a tablespoon or two of cocoa, some protein powder if you feel like you want protein powder, and then a bunch of maple syrup. And some, no. some almond yeah, milk if you need to. You kind of just got to make it, make it, um, yeah, it's like no. for texture. Yeah. Nope. Still no. All right. Well, everyone Still at home. don't believe you. I drank one earlier you. today. No, I, that's a lot. I, I drank one yesterday. It. I'll try it because you're mm-hmm. telling me what it is before giving it to me and you're not going, ha ha, it's tofu. <laughs> Yeah. Or whatever the, but uh, yeah. So it's a smoothie with no fruit. What's happening? There's yeah, no so it's, it's actually smoothie. more of like like the first yeah. time I I did it. Oh, it's like, it's like chocolate mousse. Yeah. It's actually oh, if you have a um, lovely. if you have a food processor and I don't, you don't have to add the almond milk, and then it's like a mousse texture, um, and you just have to add enough sugar uh, so it tastes good, because the texture's fine. Um, mine are a little bit yeah. more smooth. You can also. I mean, it's just that I, I think you might be thinking of a different tofu, Sophie. The it's it's more like that very silken stuff, yeah, like at a, yeah. like at a, a BCD just, type place. So once yeah. once you, that's fair. Well, well, you can if you go like with the the sm- the smooth. Yeah. Shit, I've yeah, just, you just have been it. you know tricked into eating tofu one too many times. <laughs> I didn't eat tofu for the first like two years I was vegan because when I was a teenager I went to a salad bar and was like I will try tofu and it was just a block of unseasoned tofu. Yeah, uncooked. it's horrible. It was one of the worst things I'd ever yeah. eaten. If you don't know how to yeah. cook tofu and you, that's how that's yeah. what you think tofu is, it tastes horrible. But cooked tofu done correctly and marinated yeah. and seasoned and yeah. you know actually it's delightful and so Especially in a soup or a stew <laughs> and so what i wonder and i think the most important decision before we can decide whether the food not bombs original crew was good or bad was whether or not they made good tofu and fed it to people or whether they made bad tofu and fed it to people because they could go either way uh, yeah it was definitely i'm gonna i'm gonna say that i would find it bad yeah. pretty confident. I think you're probably right. Especially when you're right next to fucking... <laughs> I don't, like, I don't drink soda. This is no, like, purity thing. I do all kinds of bad things for my body. But, like, but if, it was, if someone was like, does this taste better? Is this taste better? And one of them is soda and one of them is, like, random <laughs> tofu smoothie, I bet my money's yeah. on the soda. There's no... Yeah, it's pretty unlikely. But... And they scared away the Pepsi people. And I suspect it was more to do with the fact that they were probably like cussing at him and yelling at him all the time than the tofu. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, yeah. That's, I mean, that's like kind of a, a nice victory. Yeah. Probably. And that's where I want to end today's, uh, today's episode. Where we can, you know, there's hippies feeding Boston healthy food and I hope it's tasty, but who knows. And, you know, they get more and more interesting to me as they spread. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about next time. The and the massive and sort of unfathomable repression that they face for giving out free food to all takers. That's yeah. This is a, a good a good place to 
put a yeah. pause and then hear yeah. the other side. Sophie, do you have any plugs? Uh, yeah, listen to, okay, listen to Hood Politics with Prop mm-hmm. uh, on the, the Cool Zone Media Network, wherever you get your podcasts. That's that's the podcast of my choice to plug right now. And just like follow Prop in general, because he's the best at Prop Hip Hop. That is all I would like to plug at this time. Andrew? Oh, God. I mean, you know, if you've enjoyed even this amount, um, come out. Um, Austin, August 20th and Brooklyn, September 10th. Um, doing that with Yosis Racist. Me and Tanya Newsome are going to be there. Uh, so far, we just did one show in Boston and I ate a lobster roll on stage in uh, many people in the audience said it was one of the worst things they'd ever seen. So get <laughs> The ready. lobster roll challenge. You just sold that for me. 100% on board. It was board. gross. <laughs> <laughs> The way I did it was gross. Margaret, you have a book coming out, don't you? I do. On September 20th, my book of short fiction, cool people who did, that's my podcast, live like the, that's the other podcast. We won't be here tomorrow. There it is. Uh, We'll be out from AK Press on September 20th, and you can pre-order it now. And if you pre-order through different independent bookstores, if you just Google, we won't be here tomorrow, Margaret Kildray, pre-order or whatever. You probably don't even need that many words. It'll come up. If you order it through um, different independent bookstores, including several cooperatives. Oh, this wasn't an episode about cooperatives. but They're cool anyway. You will get an art print from the book, which is also cool. That's the end. Yay. See you. See, we'll be back. We won't see you, but we'll be back on Wednesday <laughs> with another episode. You ain't seeing <laughs> shit. You ain't seeing shit. This is an audio medium. Get it together. <laughs> uh, okay, bye. Bye. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.